Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. And those who are going to Little Worship can be dismissed at this time. And as they are uh, heading out or transitioning, I invite you to um, open uh, your Bibles to Luke 13. Also, it's, of course, there in your bulletin as well, 13, 22 through, through 30. Hey, as we're transitioning, kind of really before we start, uh, I had, or well, I heard uh, last week that a particular Sunday school class was asked what they learned from the sermon from last week. And as I, I hear it or heard it, uh, the only thing they could come up with was Richard likes to bake bread. Um, that's what the sermon was about, about baking bread. You know, that's kind of hard to hear uh, as a pastor. And, uh, but it was a good reminder to me that I'm not just the preacher of well-educated, reformed adults. Okay? I'm also kids preacher. Um, and, you know, God teaches us through a lot of different things. You know, God uses creation and the beauty of sunsets. And as we mentioned earlier today, you know, good music. And, and that's all well and good. But, you know, there's only one place where we learn about what Jesus did to bring us home. Only one place in the whole world. And it's in God's word. You know, Paul said that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And so as we begin, if there's any kids here, I mean, there's a few, uh, I, I, don't want you, I, I don't want this to be like the little time in the week where you get to just, you just kind of check out and think about just whatever. Um, I want you to know I'm trying, okay? I, I don't want y'all to be left behind. Um, but at the same time, I want to ask you, kids and even our adults, I want to ask y'all to be actively engaged uh, as we go through God's Word. Uh, because a biblical sermon is God's word speaking to you. Uh, and in fact, listen to what the old Puritan Richard Baxter, this is how they used to say it back in the day. You just think we're mean. Listen to what Richard Baxter used to say. He said, make it your work, not the preacher, but make it your work. That, that, that like, This is your job for the next, we'll say some odd minutes, to apply the word as as you hear it. Cast not all upon the minister as those that will go no further than as being carried by force. You have work to do as well as the preacher does and should be all the time as busy as he. So you must open your mouths, digest it, for another cannot digest it for you. Okay? So that we're all, we, we good on that? All right, so with that challenge, let's hear God's word. Luke 13. Jesus went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying through Jerusalem, toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter it and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, well, we ate and we drank in your presence and, and, you, and, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. 
In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is God's word. Let's pray real quick. Father, as we approach your word, just walk through this passage uh, in our next few minutes here. Uh, we ask that you would cause us um, for our hearts to be open, our minds to be open, to be present right here, to receive your word uh, through your spirit. And we ask this in Christ. Amen. Hey, just two points this morning, two, two takeaways. First, Jesus reminds us to make the first thing first. Make the, we, always make the, we always make second things first. Like, make the first thing first. You know, if we miss the first point, then there's really no need in even having a second point in the sermon. So as Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem, we'll get to the second point in a second. Uh, as Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem, someone came up to him and asked, Lord, will those uh, who are saved be few? And now on the surface, that seems like a totally fine question. But during Jesus' day, there were tons of speculation about that question. And every little rabbi had their own opinion on how many people were going to be saved and how many people were not going to be saved. And most Jewish teachers taught that all of Israel, so all Israelites, uh, would be saved. And then maybe a very select few Gentiles, people like Rahab and Ruth, will kind of let them come into. In other words, this person wasn't asking to know a number per se, but he was more in, in a very smug way this person was asking Jesus, Jesus, salvation is limited to just us. I mean, it's just us who are getting in the club, right? The, the few, the proud, the Jews. And I love Jesus' response because instead of entering into the speculation world of how many people are going to be saved, how many aren't going to be saved, he just cut through all that and he brought them back to the main thing. He said, look, the question isn't how many people are going to be saved. No, the question is, are you saved? Are you saved? Have you entered the narrow door of Christ? You know, this is sobering because you all well know, growing up in the Bible Belt, it is very easy to get lost in all the secondary issues of doing church and following Christ and kind of being in the religious world. Um, it, it's very sobering. We, we, can, we make the secondary issues so, we look at that so much that we totally miss the main thing. And look, we might roll our eyes at people like, the Jehovah's Witness and how they get so hung up on trying to be one of those 144,000 uber faithful who are going to make it to this you know special place in heaven, in which allegedly you know they speculate at least that there's only about 8,000 of those spots left. So no pressure, right? Um, you know we may roll our eyes at that, but how often do we do kind of the same thing? That all these secondary things that are very interesting and maybe even fun to talk about, but they just aren't the main thing. And we can obsess, and depending on which country song you listen to, either all dogs go to heaven or all dogs go to hell. It just depends on what you're listening to, right? And we obsess over things like, okay, is my pet going to be in heaven? How big a house am I, how am I going to be in heaven? Am I going to be like be near like the beach or the mountains? And we can worry about this stuff all the way to hell. And, and, and people say, well, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can believe in a God who would predestine people. I mean, i got to figure this out before I'm even going to come here. I don't know about this infant baptism thing. Why don't y'all, y'all didn't use enough water? I just don't know about all this. Or, or you know, you hear people say, well, look, i got to clean up my life before I'll, I'll even think about coming to Jesus. 
And it's, it's so from all of that to age of the earth, like I get lost in what language did Moses write the Pentateuch in? You know, uh, what type of hymns should we sing? All the way down to what are we having on Wednesday nights, you know, for meals at our church? And Jesus says, listen, if you're not saved, I mean, that's great that y'all want to talk about this all the time, but you're wasting your time on all that. Jesus says, come to me first, repent and receive my forgiveness first. Don't let knowledge about God replace, oh yeah, knowing God. And what's so great about this passage is Jesus is telling us that that door is open right now, that you can enter that narrow door now. The fact that we're still hearing these words today means you still have time to respond. The door is open now, but Jesus in here, he reminds us, he warns us that that door won't always be open, that there are two occasions in our life, well, there are two occasions in which the door to salvation, the opportunity to be in Jesus will be closed forever. And it is when we die, when you die, or when Jesus returns, in whichever of those two come first. But here's the kicker, and not to scare any of us, but None of us know when that will happen. None of us know. And so this is an invitation this morning that if you are not saved today, don't harden your hearts like, elder, like, like Israel did in the wilderness. Like t- today is the day of salvation. You know, we act as though things are going to always be okay. Maybe that's how we cope with life. And yet ask anyone who's ever experienced a true crisis moment, like, there is no warning. Uh, that one second things are fine, the next not so much. And we are all, we're all potentially one phone call, right? one diagnosis, one split second away from that door closing. <laughs> My dad's best friend was a farmer, and I may have told you this, but uh, he died doing what y'all are doing right now, if you can imagine that. He was at worship sitting in his pew with his family. Um, and again, not to scare us, but just to remind us of the fragile vapor called life. You know, many of us were praying or have been praying for the Montgomery family uh, in the loss of their son, Walker. Uh, never in a million years did anyone see that coming. Um, Rachel Wheeler, I was telling the session, was a, a wife of a PCA pastor over in Tyler, Texas, who, I mean, she, she was having some health struggles, but she seemed to be like on the up and up. When she went in for a blood test, revealed this acute, acute leukemia. She was rushed to the ER on the spot. A day later, she passed. And she was young, right? And this wasn't like back in the 1800s. Like This was like last week. I mean, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And so don't, don't put it off. Jesus calls us to salvation today. Repent, receive, and trust him today. Okay. Now, having said that, there are a few things, or there's another thing to be aware of when it comes to the Jesus way in this narrow door, which brings us to our second point. The way of salvation is at the same time more exclusive and more inclusive than we think. You know, many religious leaders today, we teach that, uh, or we, many religious leaders teach that um, there are many ways to heaven, right? And the, like the gate, the, the door is so big. In fact, like it's so big, you can ride a combine through that thing. All, all paths lead to it. Jesus, Buddha, the tree fairies, your star chart, the great spirit in the sky, your cocoa puffs, whatever. It's all the same. 
Like we're all going to get there. And then, and as us Southerners, you know, we would say to that, bless their hearts. Because we just read a passage that seems to say something else, right? Jesus said all roads don't lead to God, that there is not a big door. No, the, the way of salvation is through one single narrow door, a door you could very easily miss. Um, so I grew up in the middle of nowhere, uh, Alabama, West Alabama, and I, I grew up uh, before there were cell phones and GPS technology like in every car, um, and so when it was my birthday, the few times my parents had a party for me, um, my parents or my mom would always tie balloons to the mailbox. Y'all have probably done this, right? You tie balloons to the mailbox. And so since our house was so hard to find, my parents would just tell our guests, hey, just get on Highway 14 and just <laughs> drive until you see the balloons. That's, that's how you'd find our house. Um, all right. Like that. I hope you see that Jesus isn't talking about this narrow door to be mean, but this is Jesus putting balloons on the mailbox, okay? He's telling us what to look for so we don't miss it. And he knows that naturally, because of our sin, we, we tend to walk the broad way, right? The, the way where it is heavily traveled, where there's no limits on the baggage we can bring. We don't have to leave anything behind. Um, we can live however we want, and you know, you always have company on, on the, the Broadway. So always people to talk to, all the way to hell. But here, Jesus tells us that the way of salvation and, and the way of God is more like the way you would climb Mount Everest if any of us would ever deem, you know, dare to climb Mount Everest. Um, you know, when climbing Mount Everest, so I, I, I'm told, Often Sherpas, the local people, like they will go ahead of you and they'll fix a rope to that mountain all the way up to the top. Like they've done the work for you. And you guys still got to climb it. Um, and, and so when you come to climb that mountain, you come in your harness and you attach yourself to that one rope and you just follow that rope up. Okay. And it's not that they're trying to be narrow minded. I mean, they're, they're so oppressive on, on uh, Mount Everest. They're making us go this one way. Um, it's not that they're trying to limit your freedoms on the mountain. No, it's just as simple. If you want to make it to the top, I mean, like that, that's the path. <laughs> there is no other path up. You latch onto that rope and you follow it. But if you unlatch, uh, not only will you, well, you're not going to make it to the top, but you'll most likely become lost and you may very well die on that mountain. Um, did you know that it's not terribly uncommon in the Midwest? Uh, for sometimes farmers to, to just die of exposure in their own yard. Um, in the, the Midwest, storms can almost come out of nowhere, and especially in the winter, it can create just a complete whiteout. I mean, it's flat, wide open, and you're just you're lost in this, you know, a white sheet of paper, just blank sheet of paper. And, and farmers can get lost merely walking from their barn to their house. And so what farmers will do is uh, they will oftentimes take a, a rope and they'll stretch a rope from their barn door to their back door of their house so that when the storms come, they can tether themselves to something and follow that rope uh, home. Okay. Jesus is telling us, like, look, he, he's the one-stop shop here. Uh, Jesus is the rope and Jesus is the door. And, and it's not wide enough for all of our idols it's not wide enough for all of our stuff to fit through. This is a door that may very well squeeze you. Um, we come to Jesus with nothing in our hands we bring. 
simply to the cross we claim. And what's more is a lot of people that we think will make it, not going to make it. Uh, Jesus says that there will be people who say, I hung around you, Jesus. I hung around the door, and I even did some good things for you. But Jesus will say, look, you never entered in. You, you never walked through the door. So I, I just don't, I don't know you. So the gospel is far more exclusive than we think. And then at the same time, it's far more inclusive. You know, throughout the Bible, it's the religious leaders that don't get it, right? It's the, the mo they're the most self-righteous people. The people who, if there are insiders, then surely they are the insiders. And yet it's, it's they that don't get it. So it's way more exclusive than, man, if they can't get it, how can we get it? And all the while, it's the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. It's the, the last who by grace are brought in. I tell you, I need, I need to hear that. Um, I heard a story this week about um, this, uh, it almost sounds like the beginning of a joke, um, a nun and a prostitute who work out together every single morning at a gym. Um, and this, this nun, you know, she has given her life to serve in the church. She's quote-unquote married to the church. She's given her whole life there. Uh, and yet, uh, she's racked with guilt. She's racked with regret. Um, this former prostitute, she's no longer in the business, but um, she meets with that nun every single day uh, to work out. And what is so interesting is, is the prostitute teaches the gospel to the nun. You know, the prostitute is here showing the grace of God to the nun. The nun is growing because of this other lady. Um, it's the sinners, it's the tax collectors who get it more often than not, who by grace are brought in. You know, just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, it's often harder for churchy people to enter the narrow way, you know, than it is for the unchurchy types. You know, it, it's easy. How easy is it for churchy people to cast judgmental, like, stares at the prodigals? Who they, they were gone, and we all know they've gone. But you know what? At some point, sometimes those prodigals, they come back by grace. And when they're saved and they're welcomed home and everyone else is celebrating them and throwing a party, we, like the older brother, we sit off in the corner with our arms folded. Just can't believe it that we're celebrating this person, right? Just in contempt. It's hard because to go through the narrow door, you got to go low. And sometimes really churchy, religiously, people don't like going low. You got to be humbled. You got to know that the only thing you contribute to your salvation is your sin, which Jesus died for. Which is a problem because many North American Christians have grown up, and I'm one of those, have grown up being taught a gospel of moralism, right? That instead of grace, we, I grew up thinking that if, if I could do more and if I could try hard enough, then maybe, just, there's no guarantee here, but maybe God would have favor on me. I would have his smile. And yet, far from making us humble, that makes us live in fear and despair, or it creates a new generation of super self-righteous Pharisees whose inflated ego and sense of self-importance is far too large to fit through that door. But the gospel of grace says that the law it is so crushing, so cosmically far away from God because of our sin or we that we have no shot of ascending the, the heights. Our only hope is in someone else 
saving us. So back in, in Genesis 3, you'll remember when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, right? That, that we find that God is this crazy scene, that God left this since an angel of death with this fiery sword standing in the gap so that if we were to go back to paradise, well, you'd get killed, right? Um, you had to go through that sword first. Well, after Jesus was born, um, Mary and Joseph went to present Jesus at the temple. And you remember, we talk about this a lot during Christmas, there was this kind of strange old man there named Simeon who prophesied over Jesus. And, and Simeon said, a sword will pierce through your soul. Okay, well, like, what were you listening to? That? What sword are you talking about? Because he, he died on a cross, right? Well, Simeon was talking about that sword all the way back in Genesis 3, or Genesis, that separated us from the way back to the Father. Eleven years ago now, uh, we, we all remember this in Newton, Connecticut, a classroom where every single child was tragically killed. Uh, by a gunman, except for one. There was one child in the whole classroom that escaped. And, and when she was reunited with her mom, she told her mom that the only reason she lived was because she played dead. And the only way she could play dead was because she was covered in all of her classmates' blood. When the same way, y'all, the only way through that narrow door and thus the only way to the Father is if we are covered by the blood of the one who died, Jesus Christ. It's grace, okay? It's grace. Look, we all know trust fund people, right? We, we know these kids, we'll call them. We all know people who are not wealthy because of anything they did. But the only reason they are wealthy is because they had a wealthy family member who imputed wealth, who, who took their wealth and placed it in the accounts of their not-so-wealthy family members, right? Um, okay, because of the cross, Jesus, we use the word imputation, right? Jesus has imputed, which means he has placed in our accounts his perfect righteousness, so much so that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus, and, and that's how we have the smile of God. You know, the benediction that we go out with, may God's face shine upon you. Right? That's how we claim that. It's not because you are such a great boy or girl. It's because Jesus is great. So it's not because we've done more or we've given more than our neighbor. It's because of Jesus alone. So it's exclusive because, well, it's only in Jesus that we're saved. There, there is no other door. But it's also staggeringly inclusive. Because it's not just for Jews, it's not just for Democrats, it's not just for Republicans, it's not even just for Presbyterians. It is to and for all who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Because of Jesus' exclusive death, listen to the inclusive kingdom. This is how Jesus finished. He said, people will come from east and west and north and south. There's going to be a lot of people that don't look like us. And recline at the table in the kingdom of God, and behold, some are last who will be first. Amen? Well, look, before we, we go to the table, I, I want to invite us really just to a, a time of silent prayer and preparation. Um, and if you, have, 
if you have not gone through the narrow door, um, it is offered to you today, like right, right now. And I want to invite you now to repent of your sins and to put your faith, to lean your ladder against Jesus. Let's pray. Father, may your spirit come and cause us to respond to the sweet message of the gospel. I know it's so it's so different from anything else we hear out in the world, but uh, Lord, we ask that it would ring true deep in our hearts and that you would bring many sons and daughters home. Uh, Lord, that prodigals would, would come running home and know your embrace, uh, that really prideful Presbyterians uh, would be broken and that we would get on our knees and crawl through that door. Uh, Father, we thank you for the beauty of the cross and how all roads lead there. That's the only way. Well, that's the only way we get we get home is through it. So, Father, now as we come to the table, we ask that you would continue to prepare our hearts. Uh, we ask that you would take these common, just everyday elements, that you would set them apart to be a means of your grace to your people. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.